women are underrepresented in the ranks of the Peoria Police Department. When I was younger, I was told women don't really become police officers. Find out how female officers on the force are breaking down those barriers just ahead on all things Peoria. Good afternoon, I'm Jody Holtz. Coming up at WCBU's Colin Shope learns more about the Peoria Police Department initiative to recruit more women. And WCBU correspondent Tim Alexander takes a look at the changing face of high school FFA programs. And FFA is really building or, or leading the kids towards the ability to go out and get into the workforce. Plus on Postmark Peoria, learn about a black farmer's experiences starting up an agricultural operation from scratch. Those stories plus local news just ahead. This is WCBU's All Things Peoria on 89.9 FM and WCBU.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Bradley University, this is WCBU's news magazine, All Things Peoria. I'm Jody Holtz. Appreciate you being here on your Wednesday afternoon. The Peoria Police Department is part of a push to recruit more women to law enforcement careers as they're underrepresented in the field. WCBU's Colin Shope spoke with Officer Jenna Long about her own career journey, the 30 by 30 initiative, and an upcoming recruitment event. Especially as women and some of the trials and tribulations that we have experienced throughout our lifetime, we cannot tell or we cannot have anybody tell us what we can and can't do. Um, we always need to, if we believe that we can do something and that is our passion and our goal, then there shouldn't be nothing stopping us and getting in our way. So just for starters, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, how did you end up deciding on law enforcement as a career? Um, well, I'm 36, and I'm a mom of four, and I have a, a stepchild, so I have five children. Um, I started in law enforcement a little later. I was about 29 years old when my kids were a little older. I originally started in nursing. I decided it wasn't really for me. Um, I, when I was younger, I was told you know, women don't really become police officers, that they're more, um, it's not a feminine job, and that we traditionally need to do teaching and nursing and and um, my heart was always in this job. I was a dispatcher for about seven years total in a couple different departments and I got my degree in criminal justice. When my kids were old enough I decided to become a police officer. I, it was time. So That's a long journey from having that degree and then raising children uh, and then becoming a police officer. At any point during that journey did you did you question whether it was still you, what you wanted to do or not or that entire time was it kind of like there was this end goal there you know? It was always the end goal. I always wanted to do it. I just needed to find the right time for me and for my family. And uh, for other women who may have, you know, uh, obligations to family or, or lots of responsibilities, lots of things going on in their life, but are considering a career here, what would your, I guess, message to them be? Well, when you're trying to decide if this is the career for you and your hangup is, you know, if you are going to be a good mom or you're going to be a good um, significant other, it can be done. It is very important to 
rely on other people and just communicate with your family and let them know that this is important to you and they will you guys will there's always a way you guys can figure out how to how to make it work and your kids will respect that you're a working parent and they'll appreciate the hard work that you're putting into the community. Why is it important to have women on the police force? Why is this representation important to have? Well, female officers, they bring a different aspect to policing. Um, we have statistically less use of force. Um, we also have a lot, we have different empathy towards situations. In situations, for example, like sex assault victims, um, we tend to have a lot more empathy in situations like that. The department is part of something called uh, the 30 by 30 challenge. Would you mind telling me what that is and how the department is working to meet that challenge? So the 30 by 30 pledge means that by 20, 2030, we're going to have 30% of our force to be female officers. What that means or what we're doing to achieve that is we're doing female recruitment events and we're trying to get out there a lot more in in the eyes of females and so they can see that this is something that they can do and it's inclusive and if they've ever questioned if they can do it or not then we're here for any questions and try to help them guide them and and encourage them in any way we can. So I guess this event on Wednesday would be one example of that. Can you describe to me what that event is going to be like? So the event is on March 8th on International Women's Day. It's at 6 p.m. at the Peoria Police Department. What we are going to talk about is the, um, the application process, the physical requirements, and we're going to talk about how it, well, we have a panel of five to six female officers with different backgrounds and life experiences, and they're going to talk about themselves and and then I will have a short presentation, a PowerPoint, and kind of co cover everything. And then after that, we're going to open up the um, floor to any questions that any guests may have. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you think is important to this topic or your experience on the police force or this event Wednesday night? No, I'm just looking forward to seeing all the um, potential applicants come on Wednesday. And I encourage anybody and everybody that's thinking about it to come. If you have any questions, there's going to be a large panel of people to answer anything that you that you may need, and um, I just look forward to it. I'm excited, really excited for it. That was WCBU's Colin Shope speaking with Peoria Police Officer Jenna Long about women in law enforcement. Again, that event is tonight at 6 at the Peoria Police Department. You're listening to All Things Peoria. you chose WCBU's All Things Peoria this afternoon. I'm Jody Holtz. FFA, the youth institution formerly known as Future Farmers of America, is breaking new ground in order to keep pace with changes in technology and non-traditional agriculture-related career opportunities. Aaron Barrington is the longtime FFA advisor and agriculture educator at Dunlap High School. He tells WCBU correspondent Tim Alexander how FFA is expanding its focus as Dunlap becomes more urban. Urbanized. Uh, we are an agricultural community, even though we are getting uh, quite a bit of Peoria growth to make our school bigger, but we still have an agricultural community at heart here. There has not been an 
ag mechanics program really as long as um i've known but we have we've been um doing a lot of agri-science stuff for um at least the 31 years i've been here plus um the time that dave moore was here before me what is the current membership of your ffa chapter uh, the current membership of the FFA is equal to the number of, of students due to the state of Illinois uh, welcoming all those in. So um, our chapter numbers would be about 55. Um, as far as true FFA members, we're closer to 20 as far as those that, that are, are interested in, in doing the FFA type activities. What have been some of the highlights of the uh, FFA uh, school year so far? Uh, we've gone to a, a couple of farm shows, um, Peoria Farm Show and, and a couple of career events at ICC. Um, we've done some work to um, try to raise some money for uh, um, some individuals in town that are um, needing some help with some, some diseases and um, some family situations. Um, as well as trying to promote uh, FFA and agriculture um, to some of our grade schools and things like that. So how many uh, kids would you say uh, have a true connection to agriculture? How many of them uh, in your chapter are going home, uh, if not to farms, at least to rural families where they have access to uh, to animals? And uh, And how many of them show animals? You know, we don't have many that are showing animals. I got one or two that are that are interested in actually showing animals um, in the livestock end. We've got some uh, crops um, individuals that that are raising some of that. But uh, to be honest, Dunlap as a community is um, there's a love for agriculture in the community, but not as many of the kids are are really on the um, going home to a farm every day. Uh, the agriculture has changed a little bit since 1988 when I graduated high school and, you know, 92 when I started here. And, you know, FFA's adapted with it uh, along the way as well. Yes, uh, it has. Bringing in a lot more programs uh, that are not directly related to agriculture, but tie into them indirectly. Um, and, and right now, you know, we're still post-COVID, last I heard, uh, down by about 4 million uh, workers in the U.S. Uh, what are some of the ways that FFA has evolved uh, to direct programming and opportunities towards preparing uh, your FFA members that maybe aren't going to college uh, to enter the workforce? Well, our state, the state of Illinois, with with our, our leaders in FFA and our leaders in um the Illinois School Board have really built a curriculum uh, that really focuses on career readiness. Uh, just today, I was talking about pay and benefits and how to get into the workforce. And, you know, we just discussed uh, even just this morning that if you don't have a job right now, you don't want a job, that that the, the opportunities are there more so than any time um, that I've known in the, in the history of um, my life as far as if you want a job, you can get a job. And FFA is really building or, or leading the kids towards the ability to go out and get into the workforce. Um, we're, we're looking as a school 
even to, to have like a, a trade uh, a signing day like the athletes would have you know those kids that are going out on the workforce that are signing a contract or signing up to to work for somebody to recognize that kid as opposed to just the kid that that's maybe going off to four-year school uh, let's acknowledge those that are going into a trade school or is going right into to, to work and I think FFA is is really behind that movement as well you you alluded to uh last year's increase in the number of FFA students uh, referring to uh, the $550,000 appropriation the Illinois General Assembly uh, set aside to pay uh, the fees of every Illinois uh, high school agriculture student uh, to automatically become FFA members. It seems to me now that FFA is more relevant to more people than ever. Would you agree with that statement? I'd, I'd agree. I can, I've can. i seen it, and I don't know if it's exactly what's causing it. I wish I had the magic ball to tell me why, but uh, my numbers have increased probably 30 or 40 students as, as far as the number of students that are, that are signing up for my classes. And by default, then once they're in my class, now they're in FFA. And I can expose them to, you know, all of the opportunities that FFA holds. I know it's a big part of my life. I know when I go out into the community, I see, you know, FFA jackets, not necessarily the the, the official dress jackets, but I see sweatshirts and T-shirts. And, um, and it's refreshing to see uh, that community continue to grow. That was Dunlap High School FFA advisor Aaron Barrington speaking to Tim Alexander. Support for WCBU agriculture coverage comes from Growmark and its FS members, your trusted advisor in all your ag decisions. You're listening to All Things Peoria. This is 89.9 FM in WCBU.org. This is All Things Peoria. I'm Jody Holtz. Demarcus Medley lives in Galesburg with his wife and four children. The 37-year-old is hoping to succeed as a black farmer despite growing up with virtually no experience in the field. In this episode of Postmark Peoria, Medley tells WCBU correspondent Steve Tarter that black farmers are few and far between. I probably wouldn't be the first to tell you if you asked around, because that's not a lot. You know, We know historically there used to be a lot, Right. Uh, not so much today. So, well, what got you into it? Yeah. So the way I got really interested is about 2011. I was off work. I had to have uh, back surgery. I was born spinal bifida, so I had to have a tumor removed from my spine. And my job at the time was a, at a factory, so obviously I couldn't work for a long time um, after that surgery because I had to relearn how to walk. And it was uh, it's about a 16, 18 month. Uh, recovery uh, for me. But um, while I was off and um, able to move around, I was looking for some, something to kind of fill my time. And mm-hmm. uh, I was telling my mother-in-law, uh, I like to maybe volunteer somewhere. You know, I grew up in after-school programs in Chicago. Okay. And, um, I was just so like, you grew you know, up in Chicago? Okay. Yeah, I grew up in Chicago, yep. Uh, I moved to Galesburg when I was about 16, 17. So there's an ad in the paper for looking for volunteers at uh, Urban Farming Town. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Um, you know, I'll check that out. So I went over and met, met a guy who was managing the farm. Um, his name was Matt uh, Wallen. And um, it was just like a, a small a farm. It has like a four-acre plot in the middle of town. 
and um, just a big, you know, building that used to be a nun. The building has a lot of history. It used to be a uh, where nuns live. I'm not sure what that's called. Uh, this is in Galesburg. Yeah, this is in Galesburg. Right. Okay. So it was a, long, a long time ago. Um, it used to be, but anyway, but now they had turned into something else, and he was, they was trying to start a farm there. And um, I met Matt, 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 and he introduced me to you know urban agriculture, and he had like a little aquaponics system um, in the back. And I thought that was the coolest thing because they was just using fish to um, grow food. I don't know if you ever heard of aquaponics. But, um, so I was like, oh, this is cool. So um, I started I was doing that for a little while. Then I got an opportunity to go uh, with Matt and um, the local college, Knox College students, to a, um urban farm in Milwaukee. And um, and I got to see this urban farm. And this was like the real deal. It was big building, greenhouses. They had chickens, you know, I think goats. Um, uh, was raising a lot of produce, raising fish. And it was like in the middle of what I call the hood. Cause I know it was the hood cause I grew up in the hood in Chicago. So it was like an urban, you know, ghetto or whatever. Right. And, um, so I was like, man, this is amazing. It's just like a farm here. Yeah. Like, you never see that. And, um, you see it all the time in Galesburg, whatever, but, um, even, but not in the city, but, right. you know, but you see right. farms. This is a farm in the city. So I'm looking, I walk in, I'm like, you know, who made this? I kept hearing this guy's name. His name is Will Allen. And um, they had, like, a wall. As soon as you walk in, it was, like, the who's who of Milwaukee. It was, like, some judge, then some five-star general, and this Will Allen, this black guy in a tank top, you know, with muscles. <laughs> and, like, he's, uh-huh. like, the who's who of Milwaukee because what he's done by putting this urban farm in the middle of this area is he transformed the area. Now people, where you used to have food, they have access to fresh produce. It created jobs and kind of just kind of, like, hope in the area. And, uh, so he uh, that kind of inspired me because then I, I saw he also was granted like a presidential genius award or grant for you know I've, for, I've for, heard for of Will works. Allen yeah I mean yeah, he's, I think he's famous right? yeah right yeah yeah he's, he's a celebrity yeah so I was impressed by that you know I'm like who's this black dude you know what I'm saying like next <laughs> to these you know <laughs> super elite or whatever um, you know servicemen or whatever and um, so I was like, this is cool. Cause this brought me back to, I told you, I, used to, I grew up in the school programs in Chicago. We had stuff like this, but like, like where something, so, so like programs where it was in the middle of the hood, but it's kind of like gave you hope to kind of get outside of it. Right. And I was like, this is cool. I would love to do something like this uh, with an after school program involved in Galesburg uh, or even Chicago. So um, I came back inspired, started doing some reading up on it. And then, um, I was like, one day we're going to do this. And then, fortunately, 2017, me and my brothers decided to pull our resources together and start a, uh, a small farm in Galesburg. So that's what kind of inspired us. We, we went and got some training um, on aquaponics. Because really, the aquaponics is what really impressed me. Because right. you can raise fish and produce. So I'm like, this is cool. It's indoors. You know, I don't have to be out in the, you know, hot sun like traditional farming. I wasn't, you know, I grew up in the city. So I wasn't a big fan of you know, doing all that hard labor outside, and which is good too, you know, but uh, the aquaponics, like, oh, you can grow a lot easier. Kids will be willing to do this. Right. You know, because this is cool and it's like new technology, even though it's old, you know, but um, so like, so did, we, go ahead. I was going to say, did you guys find a building or where did yeah, you decide so, to do this? So that's where it got kind of challenging. Like we went and got the training about some folks out of Hawaii who had a big aquaponics farm was commercial was successful commercially on a commercial level. So we can learn how to do aquaponics. Cause that was going to be our main goal, do indoor growing with the aquaponics, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and pair that with after school program. Cause um, my brother was part of a gym, a boxing gym. 
and we were teaming up with them. They're a non-for-profit as well. And um, and um, the leader of the boxing gym, Carlos Duncan, was also uh, a family member through my children as their grandfather but okay. um, on their mother's side. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, we wanted to pair that together. We were like, we can have the boxing gym without the school program, then we can teach the kids how to grow. Uh, use aquaponics. So what we did, the first thing we started to do was um, start one in his backyard. And we didn't know about zone. We were just going to build a greenhouse in the backyard. You know, we went and got all this training. We had all the blueprints. We were just going to do it ourselves. And, um, so then we started finding out about, like, um, zoning laws and building permits and things like that. So uh, we just made us a prototype in his backyard, trying to figure out how to grow the aquaponics and just try to grow food in general because none of us had really much experience besides me for a little bit of time I spent with the um, other arbor farm and a training. Right. But aquaponics. So um, we ended up buying a um, four-acre plot of land in Galesburg in, um, later on in the year, 2017. Yeah. And you, you, you're part of that community now. I mean, as you said, people yeah. know you. Uh, yeah. Did I did I see that you're on a, like a community relations board or something? Or? Yeah, I was for a while. I was, yeah. I was like getting thrown around, but. You know, it was kind of hard. I'm not really a big fan of being in the public. Like, I love that. Like, well, since I started business in Galesburg, I got to be more part of the community. And I love that. And it made me love and appreciate the town more. You know, the good, even the good and the bad. So, right. um, yeah, I've, I've been doing all that. I get to, I've spoken at Knox College a couple of times. They paid me for some reason, you know, to do that. And uh, people <laughs> like to hear right. my story. Yeah. yeah. And I like to share it because it can encourage other people. Postmark Peoria is a co-production of WCBU and Mike Sable. If you want even more stories about Peoria history, subscribe to the Postmark Peoria podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or the NPR app. And that is all for today's episode of All Things Peoria from WCBU, a public service of Bradley University and Illinois State. University. I'm your host, Jody Holtz. Thanks for listening. Story help today came from Colin Shope, Tim Alexander, and Steve Tarter. Holden Kellogg is our producer who makes ATP sound fantastic. For more information on all of these stories, you can head to WCBU.org. And of course, you can subscribe to the All Things Peoria podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or the NPR app. And we do want to know what you think of the show let us know by commenting on our Facebook page, we're Peoria Public Radio, or give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at WCBU Radio. This is 89.9 FM in WCBU.org, Peoria Public Radio, part of the NPR Network.